let's dive into your, your mindset because I really think that you have so many things that translate beyond sports. Um, when we talk about mindset and beliefs, we talk about limiting beliefs as sort of being the ceiling of your potential. How do you stretch your beliefs and make sure you are continually pushing the boundaries of your comfort zone and your capabilities? I just dream. I dream. I have dreams. Dreams, is, uh, they should be pure. I think a lot of times when we're born into this world, we actually wind up going backwards. And it seems like the more we mature, the more responsible our dreams become. And the more governors we put on ourselves and our ability to dream and to reimagine. And it's always a fight for us parents and for you guys to make sure that your dreams always stay pure. So it's not a matter of, of pushing beyond limitations or expectations, it's really a matter of protecting your dreams, protecting your imagination. That's really the key. And when you do that, then the world just seems limitless. Rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Eric D. Former Podcast Show. I am your announcer, Stefan. Here is your host, Eric D. Fulmer. Hey, 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 everybody. Hey, how you doing? On this Monday. By the way, announcer, I'm not calling you Stefan. <laughs> so you can, you can ditch that fucking name. Wow, what a week. Um, you're listening to it on a Monday, the 3rd. I'm taping this on February 2nd on Sunday. One week after we lost one of the greats. One of the greats. I mean, probably if not the greatest. Kobe Bryant. Rest in peace, Mamba. The Mamba mentality, man. Uh, so much to say about that. And uh, I don't know where to start. <laughs> It was just so unexpected, you know, last Sunday when I was actually last Sunday when I woke up and I saw on the news about a helicopter crash, I woke up pretty early that morning and uh, five people were dead and then uh, I didn't, and I had the sound down and then I started taping this show. I started taping it for today or tomorrow and it wasn't until about maybe I was a couple hours into taping, I was on some some topic I can't remember what topic I was on and that's when I learned about Kobe Bryant so I'm sitting there talking about whatever I was talking about and at the same time trying to kind of hold it together about Kobe uh, you know I took a break obviously and watched the news and everything and I came back on and I and I did a bit of a tribute but I was like you know you're listening to this now and you're gonna hear about it next week so you know what I didn't want to do that uh, I just scratched that whole entire recording and I'm just going in from the beginning uh because again it's it's been a week now and uh kobe bryant was one of my idols uh someone i looked up to just the everything he would talk about i mean not talk about you know just all of his his drive his mentality his the mamba mentality just his whole i mean coming from high school and going straight into the nba but it was him that actually just made me get back into basketball. I was always into basketball as a kid and, and, and as a teenager, um, but it was in the '90s sometime when, when uh, 
Kobe Bryant was just on fire, and they were, you know, it was it was a Kobe and Shaq. You know, I still don't understand. I got to look that up. I don't. I still didn't get. I'm not a big sports fanatic, so it's not like I read everything about every sports figure. And this, I just I like the certain individuals, and I like what they're about. Um, so I never understood what the whole why he changed from number eight to number twenty four. Maybe someone can uh, let me know, or I could just Google it, <laughs> like I was supposed to be doing it for a while. Um, but yeah, and so, but he got me into watching basketball because it was like you know when the Chicago Bulls were were going were kicking ass and, and, and Michael Jordan. You know, I was watching basketball then, but uh, it was just something about having a team in your hometown, L.A., which I consider my hometown, even though I wasn't raised there. But that's where I was planning on staying for the rest of my life. And uh, after moving there in 1990, but just you know, I just was fixated on every game, that, and then just watching Kobe and just you know watching all the records he was breaking. It's it's just like he got me into basketball, and he got me into you know he got he made it exciting for me, and, and uh you know I like football and basketball; those are my two favorite sports. Uh, Dallas Cowboys obviously is my favorite team, as you've heard before. But uh, yeah, with Kobe, it was just he was an icon. He's the last person on earth you would think that this would happen to. You know what I mean? That's what I kept thinking. It's just like, you know, you heard that little clip in the beginning, and that was just like a clip of just the things he would talk about. It was more than just basketball. It was overall just like motivating you to, no matter what you're doing in life as a job or as a career, if you put on some Kobe quotes... I mean that's gonna that's gonna make your day. Matter of fact, from now on, I think I'm just gonna start listening to those every morning, like before I go to work or before I just start my day. Just listen to a couple that there's a if you go on YouTube, there's a Kobe Bryant best motivational speeches, and it's just it's like 24 minutes long. Put that on it before you go to bed at night. Maybe you know wake up to it in the morning, and you know because uh, the dude speaks the truth when it comes to motivation, when it comes to success, when it comes to just like believing in yourself. That's the most important thing is believing in yourself. Uh, and what a tragedy, man, like losing his daughter. And then, you know, we got the seven other individuals, um, which I want to pay tribute to. I want to, some reason I can't find the pilot's name. I don't know. I was looking it up. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm looking in the wrong place, but, but we do have, you know, Gianna Bryant, obviously Kobe Bryant, Gianna Bryant, his, his 13 year old daughter, uh, John Altabelli, Carrie Altabelli. Alyssa Altabelli, Christina Mauser, Sarah Chester, Peyton Chester, and again, the pilot who I just cannot think of the name. Uh, he might share something in common with my announcer. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I had to make a little light there. But um, rest in peace, all of you. Uh, yeah, what a tragedy. Um, flying. In a helicopter, you know, I was watching Stephen Colbert and he was talking about how uh, helicopters, I guess he knew a pilot of a helicopter who has this little device that's able to, I guess, warn them if they're up too high or too or whatever. And then uh, helicopters don't have black boxes. So I don't know if they're off there all these years. And I would imagine there's probably more helicopter crashes than there are plane crashes. Uh but after all these years of technology that we're at, where we're at in technology, why haven't they made these improvements? I mean, are they going to do it now, now that we've lost 
Kobe Bryant and his daughter and, and those other people. And, I mean, it's like, come on. It's like we had to lose, like, an icon to wake them up. I don't want to make this political, though, you know. Like I said, I mean, just out of respect for Kobe. Um, I watched a tribute the other night. The Lakers played the Trailblazers. Portland Trailblazers. I'm here in Portland, Oregon. I should be a Portland Trailblazers fan by now since I've been living here for eight years. But you know what? Nope. I'll always be a Laker. I don't care. I'll wear my Lakers jersey. Uh, funny thing is when I first moved here to L.A. Or moved here to Portland from L.A. Uh, walking down the street, I had my Kobe Bryant jersey on. And uh, and these girls were in there. I probably told the story already before. But I'll tell it again. Walking down the street. And I'm new in town. Got my hair down and everything. And uh, I hear these girls like yelling out the car window. And I'm like, oh, they're checking me out. And I look, right? And they're like flipping me off. <laughs> and they're all, Lakers suck. And I'm like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> nah, but I'm already taken, you know. And I'm happily taken. Blue Blackwater, the love of my life. Anyway, so back to Kobe. The game against the Trailblazers at the Staples Center in Los Angeles. That's Kobe's uh, sanctuary, they call it. Um, Kobe's house, where they also did the Grammys, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, yeah, the, it was a nice tribute they paid to, to Kobe. Uh, Usher did Amazing Grace. I kind of thought he kind of overdid a little bit uh, as far as the vocals. But no, actually, I don't know. It was at first, but I was thinking, no, he's actually he's, he's pulling it off. It was, it was good. What was really touching was LeBron James's tribute. I mean, you know, he had a whole thing written out, and he was saying something like, you know, they don't want me to go off script and this and that, but he said, fuck it. And he just threw that little piece of paper down. He said, you know, you fans deserve better than this. And uh, he just spoke from the heart. And when he did, it was just, like, really powerful. It, it brought, you know, made made me uh, really tear up. I'm kind of tearing up right now thinking about it. Just, you know, it was such an awesome tribute. You know, and then they played a lot of his uh, quotes, you know, on a big screen. It was like, it's as if Kobe was right there talking to everybody, talking to the whole entire Staples Center. Uh, yeah, it was just great, you know. Again, like, uh, just got into watching the Lakers, uh, this year because I, I stopped watching them for a while just because, you know, I know I probably sound like the shittiest fan in the world. Like, you don't only watch your teams when they're doing good. <laughs> it's like, no, I watch them. I just, I don't know. I just got wrapped up with a bunch of other stuff and just, I, for one, I, I didn't really have a cable to where I could watch sports. So I, or I had cable, but I didn't have the channels where, like, a lot of the games were, were aired. Like, and I would always miss it if they aired it on the local channels. So, but now I have YouTube TV, so it's got everything on it. So I'm able to actually catch games whenever they're on. But, so I started watching Lakers this year and uh, saw that they're doing really well. And I'm happy for them. So, but again, it was Kobe that got me into watching the Lakers and just, you know, loving basketball again. I thought it was awesome hearing about Kobe and his daughter and the relationship they had. And, uh, you know, apparently they were going to some tournament or some game for her or something like that. So, you know, I guess if you want to look at the positive side, uh, there's really nothing positive to say about this whole tragedy. But if there, if there is a, what is it called, a, a silver lining, that him and his daughter died going to do something that they love, and it's about basketball. Because he was talking about after he retired, and I thought this was pretty pretty neat uh, to learn after he retired from from the Lakers 
he didn't really care about watching basketball. He just stopped watching it. And, and, uh, but then, like, his daughter started watching it was asking all kinds of questions. And then, like, he, then it just kind of got him. He said, like, to watch the game through his daughter's eyes, it just re-energized his whole entire, you know, love of the game. And so he, him and his daughter would just watch every game. And she started playing. And I guess she, you know, she has dreams to go. She had dreams to go uh, play with the Huskies, I guess. Uh WNBA team, I think that's what that is. I don't really follow WNBA, but yeah, um, yeah. So it was, and it was Kobe that got me into to basketball. But even though I was a, loved basketball as a kid and always played it all the time after school and on the weekends, I'd go to the school and play either one on one with my friend or or just one by one for me against myself. Yeah, like I do right now. I go to basketball. I go to the park across the the street and play by myself and. And I actually hate it when like someone wants to play with me because I'm like I, I suck so bad now. I was like, nah, this guy's gonna come over and ask me if he wants to do a game. I'm like, oh, I got to split, dude. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah. Back to the tribute. Such a nice tribute. Oh, so much more to say about it, but at the same time, I'm at a loss for words. Uh, you know, trying to keep the show under an hour, but I could do the whole show on Kobe Bryant, huh? No, but uh. Yeah. Hope you're enjoying your Monday. Uh, got a lot to talk about. I want to talk a little bit about the Grammys. I want to talk a little bit about Ozzy Osbourne and his situation. Uh, if you haven't heard by now, you know he came out. Him and Sharon did that interview on on Good Morning America, uh, and they revealed that he has a form of Parkinson's. Uh, yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about that. I'm going to take a little bit of a break here. Uh, I gotta go take a pee-pee, and I'll be back, all right? Uh, Rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. I'm gonna leave you with another quote, a great quote from Kobe Bryant. Here we go. Well, Mix, I think the greatest fear that we face is ourselves. It's not anything that's external or anything that's superficial. I think the greatest fear you face is yourself, because we all have dreams, and it's very scary sometimes to accept the dream that you have. And it's scarier still to say, okay, I want that. It's scary, because you're afraid that if you put your heart and soul into it, and you fail, then how are you going to feel about yourself? Right? So being fearless means putting yourself out there and going for it. No matter what, go for it. Not for anybody else, but for yourself. I'm back, I'm back, I'm back, yeah, yeah, in my squeaky chair. Hey, I'm on uh, iTunes now and uh, all the other platforms that you go to listen to podcasts on. I think there's Pod, well, there's Podchaser. I think you you listen to podcasts on there, but I think that's more for like, if you can, go on there and uh, if you see me on Podchaser, if you're a part of that, uh, go on there and uh, shoot me a review, man. Come on. I gotta, I gotta... Start making some money on this podcast so I can like get rid of the squeaky chair. <laughs> no, uh, now again, not doing this for the money. Because if I was gonna do it for the money, shit, I'd be broke. Yeah. Um, same with my career. I'm an alcohol and drug counselor. Uh, I don't make a whole lot at it. You know, I make well, I guess what alcohol and drug counselors make, but it's not about the money. No. The reward is helping people, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. 
because, you know, I never thought I'd have a job where I go home and I think about the people that, uh, even people that I've helped or at least tried to help two years ago. I'm thinking like, oh, I wonder what so-and-so is doing. I wonder how they're doing. I wonder, you know, I find myself doing that. And it's like, I never thought I would have that kind of a job. But, um, yeah. So anyway, uh, again, I also wanted to talk about, Earlier, I said we'll talk about the Grammys, Ozzy Osbourne situation. Uh, also, wanted to like talk about comic books, you know, because I, I wanted to tell my story about the Todd McFarlane experience I had when I met Todd McFarlane back in 1993. But also, you know, talk about some comic books that I'm reading, and I and I'd like to maybe shoot off a little list of books I think you should read. Now, I'm going to be biased because I'm a Marvel guy, you know. I do read DC comics as well, but. Uh, <laughs> just batman and detective comics that's the only dc i read every now and then i'll read something different but uh i was getting into that cyborg there for a while i really like that character the cyborg character but i don't know why did i stop reading that i think i got it when he you know when they rebooted his uh from the the new 52 but yeah i think it was a new 52 or the one that came out you know they're always rebooting marvel's guilty of this as well but uh, DC has, you know, they did the New 52 and then they did some some other kind of reboot. Uh, and I started reading Cyborg from that. And that was actually really good. But I just lost, uh, lost, I didn't lose interest. I just, well, I guess I did. I just stopped reading it. <laughs> I have to go back and go on Comixology and maybe try to pick up where I left off. I think I got up to like issue five or something like that. But uh, still, a, still a great character. He's one of my favorites. I mean, it comes to the JLA. You know, obviously Batman, but Cyborg is my other favorite. Uh, you don't get enough love out there, you know, in the comic book world. <laughs> um, yeah, and so I want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, but right now, let's talk about the Grammys. Do you care about the Grammys? Well, they, you know, the the thing about the Grammys because they happen. You know, obviously they they what's what's great is they did them at the, the Staples Center. In Kobe's house, uh, but yeah, it was such a strange night. You know, I guess not strange, but you know what I mean. It was a somber night, sobering night, because it was the day of the death of Kobe Bryant. So you know, obviously Alicia Keys came out and gave her uh, tribute to it, and you know, spoke to the crowd, and you know, just everyone was happy at the same time. You could see on their faces, it was like, I don't know. It's just a strange feeling, I guess you could say. I would imagine being there and being in that crowd and just, you're there celebrating, you know, I'm getting a reward, but at the same time, or an award, but at the same time, Kobe's dead. Damn. You know, all those people. Uh, yeah. My girl, Billie Eilish, though, man, I love that kid. Man. She, she uh, five Grammys she won. You know, that was like, every time they were like, name the categories or the people that are in the category and the, and the winner goes to and I could think okay Billy's gonna get it Billy boom she got it <laughs> yeah if I could interview anybody I would love to interview uh Billy Eilish and her brother because uh I love watching their songwriting process I love the fact that they still write their music in the same bedroom that they grew up in and, and you know even though now they're like freaking millionaires and shit uh they don't let it go to their heads and that they uh continue to write their music in the bedroom and uh you go on YouTube, you watch clips of them in the bedroom, right? Their, their writing process is so interesting to watch. You know, typical, like most pop stars, it's like it takes 
15 people to write one hit song and all this stuff. It's just, no, it's just them too. I mean, yeah, they might have some little outside collaborators here and there. Like, who doesn't, you know? But, well, I don't, I know. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm not in their situation. But, yeah. Uh, I would like to interview them. I would like to talk more about their writing process. I, I, I just think she blew up at 13, you know, on SoundCloud. She, her and her brother wrote that song, Ocean Eyes. They wrote it for a dance recital for, I guess, her dance teacher or whatever. And then they decided to post it on SoundCloud just to, for, just to be, I don't know, just to post it, I guess, you know? And then they all of a sudden blew up and then boom, 30,000 hits. And then now it's up to a billion listens. And it's just, you know, crazy. But now she's 18 and she's got that new video, that new song called Everything I Wanted, I think is what it's called great song but that's that song came out in november but they just released a video recently and i was like i thought it was like a brand new song but just realized it, just, it came out in november but i like that song it's, it's such a dark video too it's like her and her brother just driving you know it's a real slow beat real pulsating beat i, I like those kind of pulsating beats you know i'll have to find a clip of it but yeah um and then they drive into the ocean and they drown it's just you know it's, a, it's definitely about suicide it looks like uh, you know the thing about them they write in, a lot about suicide and, and mental health and depression and all kinds of things and but they seem to have they seem to be so well grounded like their parents are, are freaking awesome you know their parents were so encouraging with them when they were growing up growing up uh, learning music because their parents are musicians and in, and in, in, uh, in arts and the theater and all that stuff and so they had that support but I'm just wondering, like, I'd like to ask her, you know, what her, is, does she have any conditions like, like depression? And, and if so, like, you know, how is she dealing with it? Or is she just writing from a perspective of someone who does and just able to target the hell out of it to where it's like it can hit home to so many people that listen to her music? Because, she again, she doesn't do any, like, drugs or alcohol. She's totally anti that. She wants to stay focused. You know, she says she likes being in control. Her and her brother are both uh, anti-drugs and, and, and alcohol. Um, but, yeah, just awesome people. You know, every once in a while, like, you know, I don't, I'm a metalhead and this and that, but I live all kinds of music, and there's a lot of pop artists I like. Obviously, I'm a big Michael Jackson fan. Oh, duck! He said Michael Jackson, child molester. He's not a child molester. <laughs> believe what you want to believe. But anyway. Um, but every once in a while, someone like that comes along. That's re just really great at what they do, and and and, and you could, f and, I, and I personally can feel their genuine genuity. Is that the word? How genuine they are at their craft, at what they do. Um, yeah. So it was funny because people were coming down on Billie Eilish about uh, not knowing who Van Halen is, <laughs> and I was like. Hey, kid, you're not missing anything. Anyone knows me knows I, uh, I'm not a big Van Halen fan. I hate Eddie Van Halen. No, I don't hate him. I just dislike uh, a lot of shit that he does. Uh, I hate the way he fucked over Michael Anthony out of his publishing and out of that one tour. And didn't even get him on the reunion tour. He, just, he got his like son, Wolf, Wolfgang Van Halen. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is like, Billy Eilish, please, if you're listening to this podcast, do not do anything with Van Halen. I know you're probably thinking like, maybe I should do a song with them and and, and maybe collaborate. Maybe we'll do another version of Beat It. <laughs> no, don't. Just leave it like it is. 
All right, do a song with Ozzy Osbourne. That'd be kick-ass. Come on, come on, he's on his last limb here. Go out with a bang, man. That's another thing I want to talk about. Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, he was at the Grammys too. Him and Sharon. He could barely stand up. He could barely walk. You know. I'm gonna go see him in July here in Portland, but it's not looking very likely that I'll be able to now. And it's starting to look like because last time, I, last report I saw that they said something about the Parkinson's disease that he has. Um, it's not like death. It's not uh, life threatening at the, at the moment, but it's more or less he's gonna most likely lose his voice in the next few months. You know, July is like six months away, I think. So, uh, yeah, he's supposed to play here at the Moda Center on July fifteenth. My ticket was like one hundred twenty eight dollars. I posted online, and I want everyone, and hopefully enough people are listening to this. And I posted online because I was hoping that maybe this will go viral, and it should. I think all Aussie fans, if the show gets canceled and you get your ticket refund, I think you should donate it to fight Parkinson's because that's what I'm going to do with mine. I think my ticket was 128 bucks, so I'm going to donate that and maybe even a little more if I have it, if I can afford it. Um, I'm just going to donate it straight to Parkinson's. I'm going to find the, the, the main site, the main foundation for it, and I'm going to donate it. Now, maybe Ozzy's camp might actually do that. Maybe they'll put out the thing saying instead of giving everyone their refunds, we're going to donate all the ticket. Uh, money to Parkinson's that'd be cool but I kind of prefer it's not that I don't trust Ozzy's camp I just don't trust the people in Ozzy's camp like the 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 the, the suit the ties and stuff because will that money really go to Parkinson's I'd rather just I'd rather do it myself I'd rather take my ticket money that I spent and that I get back and me personally go online and go onto the Parkinson's foundation the main one and donate it there and, and get that certification or, or that validation that it, that is the real deal um but yeah i just be cool if all aussie fans did that i mean because you're thinking you're, you're talking like billions here i mean there's gotta be at least a billion dollars worth of tickets that they're gonna have to refund you know because if he doesn't be able to if he's not able to go on this tour knock on wood but ozzy come on even his last video straight to hell he's sitting down the whole time and even though he looked cool he's in some kind of throne there's all kinds of you know, writing going on around him. It's a really great video, kick-ass video. Go go on YouTube. Ozzy Osbourne, Straight to Hell. It's got a Black Sabbath feel to it. Um, his new album, I pre-ordered it. It's coming February 20th, Ordinary Man. That's uh, the songs I've heard on so far, kick-ass, Under the Graveyard. I love the guitar on it. Um, it's, not even, it's not Zach Wilde this time, which is cool because I, I like Zach Wilde. I just think it's kind of tiresome hearing that little... That pinch harmonic thing he does every five seconds, <laughs> but uh, but this guitar player he kind of sounds like Zach a little bit, it's just the rhythms, you know. But but you could tell it's a different guitar player. It's the guy I guess that did the Post Malone song with Ozzy, and uh, he produced it, and I guess he played the guitar and everything. So, but so far, yeah, he did, and he's got the song "Ordinary Man" with Elton John. That's a fucking really nice song, really great. That's good. This album I think is going to be his biggest album in a long time. So. And if it's his last album, at least he's going out with a fucking bang on this shit. Be great if he had Billy Eilish on it, though. <laughs> Hoping he pulls through. But Ozzy, he's a fighter, man. Because even that interview with with Sharon, that when he revealed about having Parkinson's, I mean, he just he said himself, he just he he wants to get back out there. He he misses the fans the most, and you know, a lot of people are saying, well, well, Sharon's the one that coaches him, and Sharon's the one pushing him. She needs to just let him rest. And it's like. That might be the case in some area, but I, I could really generally feel that 
that Ozzy really is being sincere when he really wants to be out there on stage. I mean, that's what that's, only, that's like pretty much the only thing this guy knows is being a performer, being on stage and just doing what he does. So best wishes to Ozzy and his whole family. And um, I'm hoping, and I don't pray, but I'm just hoping that uh, in positive vibes to the universe that he is able to do the tour. And if he does, and if he if his voice is out, you know, I'm all about no, no lip sync and this and that. Uh, like, you know, Paul Stanley and you know, Kiss is accused of lip syncing and stuff like that, which they should because Paul's voice is, as you heard the last episode, is, is not sounding so great. <laughs> uh, but Ozzy Osbourne, he, he gets a pass, man. If he has to lip sync, just be there and just put on a show and just do what he does and, and just sit there. And if he has a lip sync because his voice is out, I'm, I'm cool with that. But, you know, at the same time, it's like if he can't play, he can't play. I mean, it's just the reality of it. You know, uh, maybe he should just retire and just rest. Rest, man. <laughs> That's got to suck. I hope I don't ever get Parkinson's. I already got this arthritis in my feet that, or my ankles that, that are giving me trouble. I got some of that Lidocaine, though, that As Asperger cream or Asperger cream. <laughs> Is that what it's called? Uh, Yeah, I got some of that. That's been helping. But I just feel like I just I just have to keep putting it on, though. It's like it's kind of slimy and smelly. I got the orderless one, but it still still has that order to it. But uh, yeah, so Ozzy Osbourne, will he play or will he not play? I hope he plays, but I'll be okay if he doesn't. Because again, I'm gonna, you know, he's had a, such a great career. I mean, the dude has been unstoppable for years. I mean, after all the drugs he's done and alcohol he's drank. Um, but yeah, if he can't play, he can't play. And uh, again, I'm gonna donate all my my refund to Parkinson's about 128 bucks and, and possibly more if I can afford it. And I think every fan, if you're listening, do the same, unless you really, really need that money, you know, to pay some bills, that's understandable. But you know, if you, if you could spare it, donate it, uh, come on, we got to, this, this disease is taking out all the greats, all of our, you know, Muhammad Ali, you know, uh, who else has it? Michael J. Fox, he's got Parkinson's. Uh, he seems to be doing okay with it, though, but still. Come on, people. All right, I got to take a little bit of a break here, and uh, we'll talk comic books when I get back. All right, here we go. Tamar, you like that? Tamar. Yeah. <laughs> My cat loves Twisted Sister Stay Hungry. I think that's one of the greatest albums to come out of the 80s. The greatest metal records to come out of the 80s. Woo! 
<sighs> I can hardly contain myself. <laughs> you were listening to Twisted Sisters. Stay hungry. I want to rock. <laughs> anyway, uh, comic books. That's what I promised that we'd talk about. What comic books are you reading? What am I reading? Well, I got three main titles I read every month. As a matter of fact, you know, I'll pick up some titles and I'll read them for a bit, you know. Uh, the three main ones I read, and actually four I want to say, because I did, I've been consistent with reading Venom since Venom got relaunched and everything. And uh, they want, they did go back to the original uh, numbering, I think. But, they, they you know, it's, it's the reboot number and then underneath uh, what Marvel's doing is underneath they're putting the legacy number, which is like the, the, the real number. I think they're up to like 180, issue 187. But uh, it's basically Venom issue number 22. But yeah, I've been reading that consistently. And uh, it's, it's really good. Maximum Carnage, the last story arc, was really, really good. It was freaking crazy as hell. Cletus Cassidy. Uh, and then you got the, what's it called? I'm so blank right now. Uh, what is that? The main, the null, the null, K-N-U-L-L. It's like the the main venom or symbiote or whatever, like the the god of the entire symbiote universe. Uh, anyway, he's starting to destroy the, the planet. So now it goes into, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but the new story arc is Venom Island. So Eddie Brock is like, that's the only place he can go to. I guess he went there a long time ago to beat Spider-Man. So he's going there to try to beat Null from destroying the world. That's a great comic, man. It's fucking, oh. Ryan Stegman, I mean, his art is fucking amazing. I think, you know, Todd McFarlane is like my all-time favorite artist, but uh, I'd say Ryan Stegman, he's good. he's he's up there, man. He's, he's got that McFarlane feel, of course. You can tell he's inspired by him. Um, but, yeah, Ryan Stegman. He doesn't do all of the issues. There's another artist on there. I can't remember his name, but there's some good art, man. That's a, you know, Venom's been pretty consistent with the art. Um, my other three main titles... The Amazing Spider-Man, Batman, Detective Comics. So yeah, so there's five all together. So I, I always uh, detective Detective Comics because it's a Batman comic. I always say I read Spider-Man, Batman, and Spawn, but I read Spider-Man, Batman, Detective Comics, and Spawn, and now Venom. And I've been getting into the Immortal Hulk. I was collecting that up until about issue 11, and I just kind of lost track because I, you know, I have so many titles. I mean, I can only afford so much. Books are like $4, $5 a piece now. <laughs> you know, Spawn is the only one that's been consistent at $2.99. Like, Todd hasn't raised the price on, on Spawn yet. Um, yeah. I want to tell, tell my story in a little bit uh, about how I met Todd McFarlane, so stay tuned for that. How I got to meet him in person and go to his house and use his bathroom. That was a highlight for me to use Todd McFarlane's big old giant bathroom to take a piss in there. And uh, yeah, I might even reveal a little something that I haven't told anybody. <laughs> but yeah, so Spawn, Batman, Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man's been great. Uh, you know, Dan Slott is, to me, for my, I guess you could say, I wouldn't say it's my generation because I'm 51 years old, but... You know, Todd McFarlane is what got me back into Spider-Man back in the 80s. You know, when I saw, when I got issue number 312. You know, I was always collecting comic books as a kid, but then I kind of got out of it a little bit. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm at a store and I see 
Amazing Spider-Man issue 312. I think it's the one with the Green Goblin on the cover. Whatever that one is. I think it's either 311 or 312. Um, I should know this. But anyway, so amazing art on it. And I was like, first time I've ever seen Tommy McFarlane, even heard his name. And, and uh, so I brought that book home and just been a collector ever since. Oh, yeah. Now I did lose my main comic book collection in Los Angeles. That's a whole other story which I don't have time to go into at this moment because I'm trying to keep this podcast under an hour or at least an hour. Maybe I've been going over a little bit, a uh, little over an hour. Uh, in the last episode, I believe it was 63 minutes. Uh, we're at 38 minutes now. But anyway, uh, yeah, Amazing Spider-Man has been good. Uh, t- like I said, Dan Slott left. He's doing Fantastic Four, Iron Man, great writer. I mean, he... All of his stories are memorable. Like, I can actually go back and reread Ends of the Earth, and I've read it probably four times already. It's like, I think it's my all-time favorite Dan Slott comic book uh, story arc or whatever. And then, obviously, you got, you know, Big Time, and uh, what's the other one? New Day. I think that's a brand new day. That's that's an awesome one. Uh, but, yeah, and then, like, the whole Spider-Verse. Damn. Goblin Nation. All that shit, man. The Superior Spider-Man, that whole era, when, <laughs> when Doc Ock... I mean, I think issue number 700 of The Amazing Spider-Man, is I, to me, is still one of the great... I've read that issue over and over. Uh, just the, when it happened, that whole thing that happened with... Uh, it's probably I, I could probably talk about it now. It's been way over the spoiler alert limit or whatever, or the limitation or whatever you call that, the deadline, or however long it is that you have to wait before you can give a spoiler alert. Um, but yeah, issue 700, when... Doc Ock is, you know, he's dying of some kind of cancer or whatever, and he's on his very last breath, and he finds a way to swap uh, brains with uh, Peter as he's kneeling over him, and and it's just like, the way it happens, it's just so fucking badass. I mean, it's just like, when when Peter wakes up in Doc Ock's body and realizes he's not in his own, and and that sheer horror, the way Dan Slott wrote it, it's just like, it's just so powerful. Like, I urge you, if you're not a Spider-Man fan, or if you never read... Go read issue 700 and just, you know, maybe read a couple issues before for the lead up or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, that, that pivotal, pivotal moment. <laughs> ah, I can't even talk. That pivotal moment with Doc Ock switched brains with Peter at the, on his very last breath. And then Peter waking up as Doc Ock is a crippled freaking, can't even walk. He has to be helped by a bunch of these super villains in this prison to get around he's got to pretend he's doc ock still but he's peter parker oh it's just crazy just fucking wonderful storytelling by dan slot he's totally missed now nick spencer is the news writer of amazing spider-man and he's good i really like nick spencer um he's the one that kind of got me back into captain america i've always I was, well okay i'm gonna say he got me back into captain america because i was never really a, a, an avid reader of captain america i liked the character i just never read any of his books that much uh, but when he did the whole thing with Captain America becoming a Hydra, that he was Hydra all this time, you know, that pissed a lot of people off. But just the way he told the story and, and, the, and everything, it just, it, it, for one, it got me into reading that book and, and uh, got me into going and re-reading, or not re-reading, but reading old Captain of America, Captain America uh, titles, Captain of America. <laughs> God, I can't even talk right now. What is it? What's wrong, camera? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Steve Epting, that's his name. The guy that drew with uh, Ed Brubaker's Captain America, which, beautiful art. 
nice art. But yeah, back to Nick Spencer. He's doing a pretty good job <clears throat> with Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, nothing memorable. Uh, not too memorable. I mean, the, the, that Craven story was really good a, a few story arcs back. Uh, I think it was called The Last Hunt or something like that. That was actually really super good. Um, other than that, it's, it's, I, I find him... I find it like where I have to like kind of reread the last couple of issues in order when I, when a new issue comes out I have to kind of reread uh, the last two issues to see what went on or whatever because like, it doesn't resonate. I don't know. Not like Dan Slots, man. Where like I said, where I can just go back and and even in my mind I could pretty much reread most of those story arcs, you know, and, and visualize it and everything. But with Nick Spencer, he's he's good. I think he's still trying to find his groove. Uh, you know, uh, art wise, there's this new art I like. Uh, this new artist named. I, I want to say Ivan Coelho. Um, they've been going back and forth with uh, Ryan Otley and this guy Ivan Coelho. And, and Ryan Otley's good, but yeah, it's kind of cartoony. And, you know, again, Dan Slott always found the perfect talent for his books. And uh, I think Nick Spencer's still trying to find his groove. But he, he should stick with this Ivan Coelho guy. I think this guy, I, I really like his take on Spider-Man. Um, but right now, I like the, the new story arc. It, it's good. It's I can't really remember it though. <laughs> it's like Spawn. That's where Spawn's at right now. It's like I I I love Spawn and I'm gonna continue to read it forever and ever. But there's, you know, Jason Sean Alexander who just finished up his last issue I think with 305 which is coming out this month. Um, and then what I like to the Tommy McFarland did announce that Philip Tan's gonna be doing some Spawn so on the next issue so that's gonna be uh, Philip Tan's an awesome artist. And I hope that's a permanent thing because, uh, I don't know, nothing beats the Todd McFarlane, Greg Capullo days, man, or even just Todd McFarlane on his own. But, you know, Todd's been doing art more. He's been doing some pages, and his stuff's looking looking really good. I just wish he could do the whole book. Um, but, you know, but story-wise, it, it, uh, it's not resonating, not like the classic arcs that we had with Spawn, with the whole Melbolgia and all the different characters, that you know, Angela and... and, 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 and I don't know. There's just, I don't know. It's different. I'm still reading. I'm still hanging on there. You know, I, I, I urge you if you're a Spawn fan, if you feel like giving up on it, don't give up. Just keep at it. You know, he's got that movie coming out, rated R. Tommy McFarlane has been writing this script for the past 25 years, probably. <laughs> and uh, said it's going to go fucking straight horror, rated R, and all this shit. I don't know. He keeps like teasing us with it. I don't think he's even got a studio that's going to produce that shit yet. So I don't know. But he says he got Jamie Foxx as an actor. I think I could see Jamie Foxx doing a good spawn. You know, he's a good actor. Um, let's just hope that he stays on board. I hope we don't, you know, six months from now, Jamie Foxx bails out because Todd McFarlane's scratching his ass too long. <laughs> no, but Todd's not an idol of mine, and I'm going to tell that story about how I met him at his house. Or I got to go to his house. All right? So I'm going to... Hold on, I'm going to gather my senses here so I can speak without flubbing it up. But uh, I'm probably going to flub up no matter what. But anyway, here we go. Saturday, October 23rd, 1993. Baseball fans will remember that was the day the Toronto Blue Jays beat the Phillies in Game 6 of the World Series. But I remember it as a day I got to meet and hang out with my idol, Spawn creator, Todd McFarlane. Now, this happened a couple of months earlier that year when I wanted to have dinner with 
Todd McFarlane contest. It was a little three by three cutout form inside the Image Plus comic book that I filled out and I mailed it off. I didn't expect to win, but like any fan, I was hoping I would. About a month later, I got the call that me and a guest will be flying to Portland, Oregon to meet and have dinner with Todd McFarlane. I later learned that it was Todd McFarlane's brother-in-law, Kim Kolmajek, that called me to tell me that I had won and who had actually picked me up from the airport as well, me and my guest, uh, along with Todd himself. Uh, once Todd saw that I wasn't a little kid, uh, accompanied by a parent, he was like, screw that, we're, going, we're not going to go to a restaurant. <laughs> he literally said, screw that, we're not going to a restaurant. He's all, we're going to my house. So he invited us to his home in Westland, Westland, Oregon, and uh, he showed me his art studio. Showed me all around his house. I mean, it was just like, he invites us in. I meet Wanda. And then later on, Todd uh, Todd his best friend, Al Simmons, comes over. So I meet him, and I meet uh, little Cyan. She was just a little kid at the time. And, you know, later on, he's had a couple other daughters since. They're all grown up and everything. I imagine Cyan's all grown up. And I met the dog. Now, you got to remember, in Spawn, he names all of his characters after his family. So, in other words, like, you know, Wanda... Blake, or not, is it Wanda Blake? Yeah, Wanda Simmons is named after uh, his wife, Wanda. And then their their daughter, Terry's and Wanda's in the comic book is Cyan. And just like Todd McFarlane's daughter's name, Cyan. So yeah, so I got to meet them all. And, and she ordered food, uh, uh, some kind of catered barbecue food. It was really cool. And, um, and I, you know, I really think like... The, is like he was like I, the the one of the main reasons he wanted us to is at his house instead of going to the restaurant because he didn't want to miss the game because that's what we mostly did we sat around and watched the game he showed me his art studio showed me a lot of cool stuff like he showed me like the sketch it because at the time the movie wasn't out yet the, the first Spawn movie which is the only Spawn movie right now but uh, it wasn't out at the time it was still a couple of years out um, but he was showing me like sketches he gave me a, a poster there was like a promo poster for the movie. And he said it was very rare to hang on to it and all this stuff, which later I lost all my stuff. I'll tell that story a little bit. If I have time, I'll tell it at the show. If not, I'll tell it at another show, how I lost all of my Todd McFarland stuff that he gave me. Oh, I'm still devastated when I think about it. I don't want to think about it now because I'm going to just get pissed off and end the show on a fucking pissed off note. You know, It's already bad enough having to report that Kobe's dead, my, one of my idols. Anyway, where was I? Yeah, so he showed me his art studio, and inside his, he's a collector. So I remember Todd McFarlane's the guy that uh, won the 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 World Series balls or, or the one, the home run balls, the one that I, Mark McGuire hit, uh, broke the record of somebody or whatever. I'm not a baseball fan, so I wouldn't know. And then Sammy you know, Todd paid what something like three million dollars for these balls, and then uh, Sammy Sosa broke the record, and those balls dropped. <laughs> Literally dropped his balls dropped. I would imagine. Uh, yeah, they went down to like what five dollars in value or something, probably fifty bucks or something. But anyway, um, but yeah, he had uh, so he had Madonna's. He was a kinky motherfucker, right? <laughs> he had Madonna's pointed boob uh, outfit in a glass display that I guess he'd won at auction. It was you know the one that she wore on tour. Uh, you probably seen pictures of it. It's like it's a bra with like the, the boobs are pointed. Hey, who's calling me? Hold on a second. Somebody trying to call me on Facebook. The fuck, man? Anyway, where was I at? People interrupted my story. I only got 10 minutes left. <laughs> I 
Uh, but yeah, the Madonna pointed boobs. Uh, he had that in a glass case. I thought that was really cool. I wouldn't wear it. And I'm sure Todd maybe wears it at night uh, when no one's looking. <laughs> uh, also, he had uh, the Joe DiMaggio, the, base, the legendary baseball player. He had one of his uniforms in a glass case. So yeah. So he had all this stuff. I mean, showing him his skin. And I think uh, this artist came over, and, I, and later on I, I realized I think it was Dan Fraga. It was either Dan Fraga or uh, what's the other guy's name? One of the Rob Layfield's dudes. But anyway, I'm pretty sure it was Dan Fraga. Because after seeing a picture of Dan Fraga, I was like, oh, that's the guy that came over at Todd's house when I was there. So, so yeah, and, and again, like I said, Al Simmons came over. He gave me some Polaroids of the Spawnmobile because they would take the Spawnmobile out and, and show it in, in all the Comic-Cons and stuff. And uh, so I had Polaroids of that uh, signed. So Tom McFarlane like, signed everything for me. He signed me a, a bunch of comic books. The Spawns issue 1 through about issue 12 signed it for me and my guests. Um, he gave us these cool baseball jerseys. They were Spawn baseball jerseys for his uh, team. He had like a little, little league team. And they were, they were called Spawns, I guess. <laughs> The Todd McFarland Spawn team, yeah. So he uh, gave me that. I mean, shit, man. Sent me home with a lot of cool stuff, and uh, yeah, I got to spend the whole day. We shared a six pack of Budweiser, uh, watched the game, talked about him, talked about Todd McFarland. I showed him a little bit of my artwork. He didn't seem too impressed. Uh, he pretended that he was. He's like, oh yeah, you got potential here. <laughs> you know, you probably tell it to all the artists, hey, cutie. <laughs> And I was also showing him, like, flyers of my band, Will-O-Wisp, because, you know, we're all, like, in makeup, all gothic, and, you know, he kind of seemed like he got it. He's like, yeah, that's cool. You know, I always dreamt one day that Todd McFarlane would make action figures of Will-O-Wisp, you know. <laughs> but that ain't gonna happen, because Will-O-Wisp disbanded. But anyway, um, yeah, so I got it. It was just, just such an awesome experience. It's an experience that's gonna live with me till the day I die. It's just probably one of the most awesomest experiences I've ever had in my life here. Here I am, a kid in, in Atwater, California, picking up Amazing Spider-Man and discovering this great artist, Todd McFarlane, for the first time, and then idolizing them from throughout the years after that, and just you know reading up everything I can on him and, and, and trying to emulate his style when I draw, and you know he just had a big impact on my art style. And then to be able to like just send off a little coupon, and then to win a contest and be able to go to his house and meet him, and and here's the cool part, man. I got to go in his bathroom and take a piss. <laughs> I'm in this bathroom, right? And it's this huge bathroom, probably the size of my apartment complex. Uh, my complex, but my apartment itself, like the living room part of my apartment. It's probably that big. I, now that I think about it, it was, it was huge. And I'm in there taking a piss, right? And I'm like looking around. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is Todd McFarlane's bathroom. Really cool. Now, that's something I want to reveal that I never told anybody. <sighs> Brace yourself. Drum roll. I peed in Todd McFarlane's sink. Ooh, gross, right? <laughs> now, I used to have this thing where, and I'm, I'm over it now, just so everyone knows, I'm over it. If I ever come to your house, you don't have to worry. I'm not going to piss in your sink. I'm, I've been over this condition for like probably 20, 25, 30 years, or, you know, definitely after the Todd McFarlane thing. Um, I just had this condition where I, I just, I, I peed in sinks. I just, it was like a weird habit. Like, I didn't, I don't know where it came from. I don't know if there's other sink pissers out there that can relate. If you're a sink pisser, let me know. My email, e.deefomer at yahoo.com. You know, message me on Facebook. Uh, contact me on iTunes. Uh, just reach out to me and, and, and let me know your thoughts on that. Uh, are there other piss, sink pissers out there? 
who can relate. And, you know, I feel bad. I mean, if Todd McFarlane, if you're listening to this, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to pee in your sink, man. I made sure I washed it really well. That's the thing. I would pee in a sink. And I would, you know, make sure I scrub and wash, sanitize, all that stuff. But I just had this weird condition that I just couldn't stand over a toilet and pee. And I would pee in the sink. I don't know. Maybe it had something to do with, like, because I was always scolded for peeing on the sink I, or peeing on the seat of a toilet. And so maybe it was just easier for me to go in the sink. I just started doing it one day when I was like maybe 18 or 19. And it was just something I just always did. But like I said, I haven't done it in years. And, I, and I'm, you know, this is one of those habits I had to break and had to really break myself. And there's no therapy for something like that, I don't think. And, and even if there was, how do you even go about looking for it? And who do you ask? Uh, yeah, I'm a, a sink pisser and I need help. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, so then we flew back home, and it was just, you know, we, we didn't get to stay tonight, unfortunately, we had to stay in our hotel, but, you know, we stayed there pretty much all day, until, uh, I think, I have to say about 9 o'clock at night, uh, we got there around noon, and then we stayed there till about 9 o'clock at night, just hanging in this living room, and eating good food, it was like this catered barbecue food that Wanda had ordered out, um, yeah, and she was totally gracious, uh, they treated me like I was one of their friends that just came over just to hang out, like like I normally do or something, you know? <laughs> it was really cool. So, yeah. So, so all you people out there. And also, I won 200 bucks on the lotto this week. So, and that's the first big win I've had since the Todd McFarlane <laughs> thing, as far as winning contests or anything. So, I won 200 bucks on that, uh, what's it called, Powerball? Yeah, I got like four out of five numbers on that. And uh, if I would have just had that Powerball number... Fuck, I would have had like $200,000 because I got the two times payout or whatever. Like if I only had the one time payout, I would only want 100 bucks, but I wanted $200. And, uh, but damn, if I just had that one, it was like, I think the Powerball winner number was nine and I had number 18. It's like, ah, another nine equals 18. I would have had it. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to take a quick break and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to play a little song I'm gonna that's going to play out the show. It's a song I, I wrote, and I have my nephew guest star on it as a rapper, and I'll tell you a little bit about that and uh, how it came about. It's a very annoying sounding song, but it sounds cooler now that I got a little rap in there. Uh, yeah, so I'll be back in two and two. I lied about the break. <laughs> I always do that. I always say I'm going to take a break in two minutes. I'm back in like one second. Uh, yeah, because I don't. I'm pressed for time, man. Like I said, I'm trying to keep this thing not more than an hour, you know? Ah. Um, maybe in season two, maybe I'll start making the episodes an hour and a half. Like, like I said, when I get guests, I will. Um, one thing I did want to mention, uh, I mentioned earlier when I was telling my story about meeting Tom McFarlane and how he gave me all this cool uh, autograph stuff. I mean, he gave me this program that him and Peter David, uh, that no, him and Peter David at that time were having a really bad feud. I don't know if they still are. Peter David, the writer, uh, for he wrote Hulk and a bunch of other titles for Marvel. I think he even wrote some DC. Um, but him and Todd used to kind of go back and forth in words and uh, during interviews, they would just you know it was like Eminem and that fucking Machine Gun Kelly, <laughs> or like uh, what's his name, uh, Eminem and that that one dude. I can't think of his name. Fuck it. Sorry to make it. There was a joke in there somewhere. Uh, the guy that hosted America's Got Talent and the masking. Ah. Anyway, I lost all that stuff. I lost it during my addiction. I was living in uh, an apartment in North Hollywood, and, and uh, we got evicted. My two roommates, you know, they, they did a lot of uh, meth and everything. I did some meth, too, and alcohol, and then eventually we just got evicted. We got separated. I had to 
go to a hotel that I couldn't bring all my stuff with, and I've known them for years, so I trusted them to take my stuff and put it in their storage until I get my own apartment. I finally got my own apartment about a month later, and I just couldn't get a hold of them. I couldn't, and then I finally, by the time I did get a hold of them, they said all my stuff was gone because they let the storage go, and it was just a big nightmare. It was just so devastating. It was like one of the things that kept me, that drove me deeper in my addiction. I just, it was hard to recover from that. Because not only did I lose all of Todd McFarlane's stuff that he gave me, all the, the cool stuff, that, like the, the poster and the comic books that were signed and those jerseys and everything else. I, I lost 20 years of my artwork, characters that I designed. I'm always hoping I'll see one pop up somewhere. Maybe someone took one of my characters and turned them into something famous, you know. <laughs> like I say, hey, that used to be mine. I know. What storage uh, place did you get that at, you know? Did you go to Storage Wars? It's <laughs> always a picture like myself probably got auction off in one of those storage wars or some shit uh but yeah i had all, but action figures and just it was a, a nightmare and i'm going to talk about that whole experience in my addiction to recovery uh special coming up soon after this season is over of, of the eric d former podcast show um but yeah so wrote the song and it was like it was meant to be like a song that's very annoying it's not even like uh it's a totally different style than what, what you're used to hearing from me anybody that knows me in, in the music that i performed with Will-O-Wisp and that I'm doing, if you've heard some of my new solo music, if you listen to that, that first song in the intro, that's some new music that I'm working on that's going to be on my next album. Um, the intro song that I used that my announcer, who thinks his name is Stefan when it's not, that Judas Priest sounding riff, that's a song of mine. I'm just using that, that riff right there for the intro because I think it sounds cool. Um, but yeah, later on I'll maybe play some clips of my new music on, on another episode. So I wrote this song. It's called Drone Life, and I was just coming up with these like lyrics that it's about kind of like people always uh, their faces are always in their phones and, and, and computers, and how we're all just like pretty much just like succumb to technology and, and the internet and everything else. And and you know, one of the lines is uh, every every head has two faces. Um, oh, I, I can never think of my own freaking lyrics. <laughs> anyway. Um, Feeding on digital brains, they're the wandering dead instead of the walking dead. You know, da, 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 da. you have to hear the song. So anyway, so then there was this middle part that I was thinking, ah, that that sound cool for the if there was like a rap in there. You know, like a, a if I can just get a rapper. I'm not a good rapper or nothing. But so, but my nephew, he's been staying with me. He's in transition. He's gonna get a, a, his own place, but he's been staying with me until he gets his own place. And he wants to break out in the rap. You know, he's he's actually really talented. Uh, he's he's a young guy, 20 years old. He's still trying to find his rap name. I don't want to give his name out over the air. He's not here right now in, in, uh, for me to ask his permission, but just out of respect, uh, he's my nephew, all right? And, um, yeah, but you'll be hearing more about him. I might even have him on my show in his next season when we get some music down. I'm going to help produce some of his music and stuff. Um, but, yeah, so he put a little rap in there. It sounded really cool, and it just kind of made the song even more weirder but cooler at the same time. So here it is. We call it right now, we're just calling it Drone Life. The collaboration between me and my nephew. All right, hold on. Fight. 
yes. He's, it's one of those songs that's going to stick in your head and you're going to be like, ah, get that thing out of my head. <laughs> that sounds pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, like I said, my nephew's not home right now, so I don't want to give his name or what name he wants to use for his rap career. You know, so. Uh, but by the time he gets home and by the time this gets posted, you'll see his name in the show notes. So, yeah. So be sure to read those. And again, always, uh, like I said, I'm, write me, people. Uh, or contact me on Facebook, whatever. You know, beat down my door or whatever you got to do. Um, I want to. I want to talk to you. I want to meet you. I want to. I want to know if you're listening and all that good stuff. And uh, good or bad, good. Good critique, bad critique. I'll take it all. Um, I'm going to end the show. It's been a wonderful Monday with you. And uh, you know, again, R.I.P. Rest in peace, Kobe. Uh, get well, Ozzy. You know. And Todd, I'm sorry for pissing in your sink. <laughs> Uh, goodbye, everybody. All right. Take us out. Stefan. No, you're not Stefan. You're the announcer. I should just call you Dan Announcer. The announcer. Dan Announcer. <laughs> Dan Announcer. No, got it. We're just going to keep this shit going. Goodbye, everybody. Woo! That's so stupid. Dan Announcer. Dan Announcer. Why can't I be Stefan? That's more cool than Goodbye, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this show. Until next time, we'll see you on the Eric D. Fulmer Podcast Show.